1: Hello and welcome to the first time we've recorded this intro. This is Goats, the podcast described by many of its guests as, quote, the greatest of all time and described by Miss Saruthi Bala as, quote, the thumbs up emoji. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my two full-time friends and part-time podcasters, Viddy and Michael. Before I begin, there's a chance we've got a few new listeners after our episode with my amazing boss, colleague and friend, Saru. So welcome to the show. This is GOATS, the show where each week we crown the greatest of all time of a specific subject. This week, my two esteemed colleagues will have just 15, yes, 15 minutes to convince me that they have picked the greatest cold case of all time. Also, heads up, might not seem like 15 minutes to you because I'll probably cut a load of it out because it'll be shit. But before we get to that, how are you both doing? Michael, you're looking a lot better.
2: I am better, yes. Um, after spending the last seven days in bed on the precipice of death, um, I just for some reason yesterday afternoon I was like, maybe I'm not ill anymore. Maybe I'm fine, and now I'm fine. <laughs> Today I just did like normal. I'm just fine again. Like I'm just not ill.
1: I do have a bit of a personal question about your time. Time ill. Yes. What would you say was your XW for the seven days that you've spent
2: in bed? My expected what?
1: Expected wanks.
2: Uh, zero. Too ill to wow. wank. Wow. Zero. Zero.
1: That's low. Yeah,
2: that is low. Sorry. That's not getting me a big move anytime soon. <laughs> We're saying expected
3: wanks per 90, not just wanks per 90. Expected oh, oh, wanks. wanks per
2: 90, zero. Expected wank. No, zero. I was not what? in a wanking mood. I was dying. <laughs> It's like the first time I've ever been ill for more than, like, 12 hours, and it was bizarre.
3: Yeah, it's not like you to get ill for more than, yeah, 12 hours is,
2: is the yeah. record before then. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's also not like you to not wank for seven days, Jesus. I know,
2: I don't know, I'm generally a massive wanker. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that again. Buddha! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hoops, and swing! <laughs> Nothing but that. V-Dog, how are you doing? I am
2: fuming. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> What's happened? I'm fuming. I can't wait to get into this. <laughs> You're like so. that. Have you seen, sorry, have you seen the video of that woman who's like, whoever nicked my daughter's buggy. I am raging. I mean major raging. Her eyes pop up. Have you never seen that video? No. <laughs> no. Right, I'll link it. While you talk, I'll send it to the Discord. It's hilarious. Okay.
1: I am fucking raging. And I mean major raging this time. Whoever's nicked my fucking niece's buggy and her fucking car seat, get it back to her now, you thieving old bastards! She's been for enough! Get her fucking buggy back now, you know who you are, you thieving geeks.
3: So story time. So yesterday afternoon, I go out, I get some lunch, and I go to pay, but I can't find my, my, my debit card. It's not my wallet okay, fair enough, I'll just pay with my phone, Google Pay, the futures here and all that. So I go home, I look for my uh, my, my, my debit card, and I just cannot find it anywhere. And I'm like, texting my friend to like, I remember the last time I saw him, that's the last time I remember getting my debit card out. And I was like, is it in your car or whatever? And he looked and he was like, couldn't find it. So I was like, okay, you know, inconvenient, but I'll just, you know, get a replacement card sent to my house. That's fine. You know, so I, I, I tried to get a replacement card sent, but it because it's still... My card still is like... The address is still at my parents' house all the way down in Exeter. Oh, no. So I was like, well, I don't want that to happen. So I, I, I go on like a chat support with them and I'm like, hey, so I've lost my debit card. Could I just get a new one sent to my... Now, like my current address because the, the address is like old. And they said... I had to have, like, done it 60 days in advance, like, changed my address on my bank 60 days in advance for them to send it to the new address. Yeah, that makes sense. Which makes
1: sense. It yeah. It does make sense. But
3: I was like, is there anything you can work out? And they said, well, we could send it to the branch, the bank branch in Exeter. And I was like, that's not really making it better. That's no better. That's no yeah. better. In fact, that's worse. So they said, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to my manager and I'll come back to you. I'm like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Like five minutes later, comes back and they're just like, yeah, so we've sent the debit card, your new debit card to the bank branch in, uh, in Exeter. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the fucking words that made me p- so pissed off, as requested, oh, as no. requested. And I, was, yeah. I just said, I didn't request that. Yeah, What are you talking about? I didn't request. And they were like, oh, sorry, we can't change it now what the fuck
1: absolute yeah. bollocks Mate, that's a nightmare absolute horseshit also listeners good to know if you go into uh the extra branch of lloyd's and say <laughs> hi i'm Vinny, and i've got a card waiting you probably <laughs> go max and out Vinny's, Vinny's debit so good to know <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah expect I, it I, in
2: five days <laughs> i hate to side with the uh the bankers of the world but to be fair, you probably should have changed your address with your bank when you moved you should, um... to Bristol because oh, yeah. they're obviously no, not we, going to yeah, send that's... it to you. Because I could find your card on the floor and be like, Oh, yeah, mate, just send it to me, new address, innit? And they were like, Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, everything. no, no, no. That's not the problem
3: I have with it. Like, <laughs> fair enough, they have that, you know, I understand why they have this policy. Yeah, yeah. But the fucking as requested, what I think is fucking say That's
1: outrageous, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and
3: now it's just more inconvenient because then I'll have to go down to Exeter and then like find my local branch, go in there. I I've never been in my <laughs> local branch before. I don't even know what, what information I'm supposed to provide. I don't just bring in driver's
2: license and then just show your ID you're alright. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, other than that, I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's a only a minor inconvenience. I thought it was gonna be like you'd had your card swiped or something and like all your cash is gone and I'd have been like, oh fair play, that's pretty bad. Nah.
3: That'd be a fucking shit because I don't have income anymore. <laughs>
2: Um,
1: no my my partner lucy's left her purse on the bus by accident and obviously there's no such thing as a good samaritan anymore fucking got nibbed and she luckily she froze her card straight away as soon as she realized it had gone so no money was spent but there was something slightly just disheartening about watching her get all these texts and it was just so tragic like it went from like someone's tried to spend 89 pounds at amazon to like Oh someone's tried to spend 2 pound 50 at KFC oh. and then the last one was someone's tried to spend 50p at Poundland. <laughs>
2: I was like, oh god. Oh, they're thinking no, like if really? I spend the smallest amount they're not going to notice.
1: It's just so tragic. Oh dear. What like, oh. well, the 89 quid was on? I don't know, but I tried to say that to Lucy. I was like, you know, in a way, it's a bit of a reflection on society. And she was like, fuck off. Someone's trying to spend my yeah. money, you prick.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Lucy. <laughs> I was like, yeah,
1: all right, fair play fair play, fair play, fair play, fair play. Anyway, I've got nothing to talk about, which is a shocker for me. So shall we begin? This week, we've got a bit of an unusual one. A slightly niche pick, if you will, but one that I'm excited to delve into all the same. Cold cases. Defined in the Oxford English Dictionary as a rigid, insulated container for keeping food or drink cool, often used to transport perishable goods that would otherwise become inedible. Cold cases can also be used for the transport and safekeeping of vital organs in the medical industry. So that's the definition of a cold case. But which is best? Exactly, Michael's got one at the ready. Which is best? The Coleman 50QT Extreme Wheeled Cooler that was voted best in class. Or the new up-and-comer, the Van Gogh Pinnacle 321. There's only one way to find out. So who's going first?
3: Uh, I'll go first.
1: Okay, v you go first.
3: Also, I'm I'm just... You had to do a bit <laughs> when you're a fucking host. <laughs> you
1: had to do a bit. <laughs> i am of course joshing with you that's what i've written in my script you can't keep getting away with it we're not talking about cool boxes we're talking about unsolved crimes left open pending the discovery of new evidence a space that i am somewhat of an expert in and therefore i am judging as the most qualified among us As everyone knows, working in the true crime space makes me not only an expert, but I am legally allowed to investigate crimes and (laughs) diagnose their perpetrators. (laughs) But seriously, nothing grips a nation like an unsolved mystery. Mm. Whether it's a murder that's never been pinned or a missing person that's never been found, we love a cold case. So much so, that is literally why I get paid. Mm. V diddly dog, you're up, mate.
3: Right, you got the timer.
1: Yes, I am ready when V dog is. V diddly dog, are you r- 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 ready? Rick, Rick, ready.
3: I'm ready, sir. Well, carry on. The '90s was a huge decade. <laughs>
2: what are you going to chime in with, sir? I can see you leaning forward no I
1: just
2: love the 90s oh okay, that's good can I just say I hate when people say I love the 90s like oh I love the 90s you were born in like 1997
3: Seb you could still enjoy 90s culture
1: I just feel nostalgic for it Michael
2: you don't remember it you can't feel nostalgic (laughs) for it I don't feel nostalgic for World War 1 just because I'm interested in it what are you talking about
1: no I said (laughs) I loved it you he weren't say, there! No, yeah, you weren't in The Fucking Hobbit, you little dick. <laughs> when well, you go, oh, I love The Hobbit, I'm not like, well, you weren't there, were you? You've never met Gandalf. You're just imagining, you little
2: prick. <laughs> no, nah, I just don't like it when, when people my age are like, oh, I'm such a 90s kid. And I'm like, well, you're not.
1: Well, that's not what I said, is it? So fucking wind your neck <laughs> in. Vinny. carry on. <laughs> Honestly.
3: The 90s was a huge decade for the American music industry. Gone were the flashy and bright 80s filled with neon colours and glam rock bands who in equal parts shredded their electric guitars as much as they did enough cocaine to make Steve-O blush. Instead, we were greeted with a completely opposite image. Bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana made it big with their more bleak and raw take on rock music in grunge. The choice of party drug went from the egotism that cocaine gave many to the feelings of love and empathy that ecstasy brought with it. But there was a completely new genre sweeping the states of the time that had been slowly seeping into the mainstream throughout the 1980s, but reached a golden age in the 90s. And of course, I'm talking about... Uh, Folk, country... Dubstep? (laughs) Dubstep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate.
1: Moby. (laughs) Skrillex has
3: got a new album out. No, of course I'm talking about hip-hop. Dre and Snoop Dogg were pioneering the G-Funk style, mixing gangster rap with the futuristic sounds of the psychedelic funk bands from the 1970s. Naz was raising the bar with his clever wordplay and his silky smooth flow, whilst Outkast, they were holding it down with their own southern style, full of double-time hi-hats and thick, juicy grooves to dance to. But almost no other rapper from the 90s was bigger than Tupac Shakur. Born in East Harlem to the name Lassane Parish Crooks, his parents actually decided to rename him at age one to Tupac Amaru Shakur after the last Incan ruler who was executed by the Spanish after a failed revolt in the 18th century. Oh, that
2: is creepy.
1: But why did they... Was there any reason for it? Or they were just like, that sounds cool?
3: Well, I was going to say, because they wanted his name to be the name of a revolutionary, because at the time, Tupac's parents were both members of the Black Panther. His upbringing in the ghetto to two Black Panther parents... Absolutely had a huge impact on his worldview. And it's not untrue to say the man was completely larger than life. Of course, he was mostly known for his rapping, but there was something more to him that people gravitated towards. He spoke a lot about civil rights and the injustices of America at the time. He used his music as a vehicle to help raise awareness of the issues facing many black Americans. Tupac was more than a rapper, he was an icon, a man of the people, a champion of the masses. He even survived a shooting in 1994, leading many to believe the man was simply indestructible. But that's why, when the news broke out that Tupac Shakur had passed away due to bullet wounds suffered from a drive-by shooting, the whole world was utterly stunned. And what's more stunning is the fact that the murder of the second highest selling rapper of the 90s has still yet to be solved to this day. So what happened? I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody does.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah, You can stop my timer now. (laughs) I remember some... Because I did an essay in college about the golden age of hip-hop. Yeah. And I think I did about the 90s, actually. I did quite a lot about the... The, the two pack shooting wasn't there, there? Was a you might go into this, but wasn't there like a police officer who was like the main suspect or something? Charles Poole or something like that. I think his name was something like that, or maybe he was the guy who shot Biggie. I can't remember. There was definitely a police officer who was like a suspect in one of those shootings.
3: It, I think it was Biggie's killing where there was something to do with a dirty cop. I think that's Biggie's killing. I didn't come across any like Dirty Cops with
2: Tupac's um, murder. No, maybe it's Biggie then. Yeah. Yeah, it is Biggie, yeah. Russell Poole, that's it. That's who they believe may have shot Biggie.
3: But yeah, so what what happened that we do know? So, on the night of the 7th of September 1996, Tupac was in Las Vegas watching Bruce Seldon take on the mighty Iron Mike. And the fight didn't even make it to two minutes before Tyson delivered a knockout blow to Bruce, which is apparently like one of the quickest heavyweight champion fights ever. It's like a minute 49. Crazy. But afterwards, Tupac was in the lobby with his friends when one of his friends basically spotted a man in the same lobby by the name of Orlando Anderson. Now, Anderson had allegedly tried to steal Tupac's friend's medallion in a shopping mall recently, and he was also an alleged member of the Compton Crips, who were, and I think still are, fierce rivals of Tupac's gang at the time, the Piru Bloods. So upon seeing this man, they all jumped him, and they beat Anderson within an inch of his life before security took them off him. And later that night, around 11:15 p.m. Tupac was being driven around Las Vegas by his record label manager Sugar Knight when a four-door white Cadillac sedan pulled up at a traffic light and unloaded 13 shots into Tupac's car. Shakur was struck four times, once in the arm, another in the thigh, but fatally two in the chest and one of those piercing his left lung. Police officer Chris Carroll was the first to the scene. And he repeatedly asked Tupac who had shot him. But Tupac's last words or only words were fuck you before he passed out
2: and was rushed to
3: the nearest hospital.
2: Really? Yeah. Bit ag mate. Bit ag what was all that about? Maybe he, he didn't want to grass or Maybe. I think it was because it was someone he knew. He knew Suge had like ordered this hit, so he was like it was like anger. It was like oh fuck you for doing this to me.
1: No, but Shug didn't ask. It was a police officer.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, but he was obviously dazed and confused and he was just angry about the whole situation. I can't believe I've just been set up and been shot. Like, fuck you to the world. <laughs> like, it's, I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. Like, seriously, that could have been it. So basically, um, what I was thinking of was... Um... Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this.
3: Basically, during the six days that he spent at the University Medical Centre of Southern Nevada... He was barely conscious and was hooked up to life support. And sadly, on the September 13th, he died in the afternoon due to internal bleeding, not being able to tell anyone who had done the deed. I think, fuck you, might have been his last words in that case.
2: It's pretty crazy.
3: To this day, the case remains largely unsolved. But there are still suspects worth mentioning. Obviously, Orlando Anderson, for starters, He was the prime suspect during the investigation, the initial investigation at least. He was known to be in the area at the time, and obviously he had a motive. You know, Tupac and his buddies beat the shit out of him earlier that night. But people who knew Anderson said that although he was affiliated with the Crips, he had no previous criminal record, and he himself was a huge fan of Tupac's music. Nevertheless, he was acquitted by the police, and before he could be questioned any further, he was himself murdered two years later in a gang-related shootout in Compton, California. In 2011, former LAPD detective Craig Cading released a book alleging that Puff Daddy himself had commissioned Anderson's uncle to kill the former rapper as well as Suge Knight, for $1 million. In a recorded conversation, Anderson's uncle claimed Anderson was with him in the car during the shooting, and he was the one who had fired the fatal shots as well. Now, accounts independently reported that Anderson was indeed in the back seat of the Cadillac and had shot Tupac, However, another reporter by the name of Chuck Phillips in 2002 also investigated all of this and found, well, he said that the $1 million bounty wasn't actually offered by Puff Daddy, but by Tupac's East Coast rival at the time, Notorious B.I.G. There are also a lot of theories saying that Suge Knight did it, just like Mork's been talking about. It was well known at the time that Tupac was planning on leaving Death Row Records, And people suggest that if Suge couldn't have the rap star, nobody could. And although Suge Knight was injured during the shootout, he got sort of grazed on his head. Nothing was fatal, meaning the gunman could have missed him on purpose. And there was also a question of why it was just Tupac and Suge Knight in the car without the usual bodyguards to drive them around. It was just the two of them. All of this could have been carefully orchestrated to take out Tupac at his peak so that they could make more money selling posthumous records, which they did, so yeah. We may never know what exactly happened on that fateful night, but what we do know is the impact of Shakur's death completely shook the foundations of the rap scene and robbed us of more years of tupac fighting the system and coming out with catchy hood classics for us white folk to bop to (laughs) and not only this but suge knight blamed the tupac shooting on biggie smalls and thus allegedly paid for him to be shot and killed as well which is what happened six months after tupac's shooting so why do i think Tupac being shot is the GOAT's cold case, you ask me. And you haven't asked me, but I'm imagining you're asking me.
1: Vinny, why do you think that uh, Tupac is the goat cold case? His death specifically, not just his existence?
3: That's a great question, (laughs) Sadek, from the GOAT's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, it's a killing... Of one of the most famous musicians of the past 30 years. Like I said, he was the second highest selling rapper of the nineties. Who's the highest? The only person who was higher selling was Biggie Smalls. So they were they were like very close up to the top all the way through the nineties. Which is crazy, because Biggie Smalls only released one album while he was alive,
2: but yeah. I know, that's crazy. Is there's so many pos- there's a few posthumous albums and Great Assistant collaboration stuff that I get so confused as to what came out when he was alive because there's loads of biggie music out there there's fucking loads yeah but then i realized again yeah he only recorded and released one during his life that's nuts
3: yeah absolutely crazy second thing tupac's death potentially led to the murder of his rival biggie who again was also like equally as iconic to be honest And it's also unsolved. Yeah, well, the fact that it hasn't been and maybe never will be solved to this day, despite the murder taking place in a heavily populated city, you know, it's like, it's 11 o'clock in Las Vegas. Like, surely there's lots of people who would have seen what happened. It's like the middle of
2: the day, basically. There's fucking loads of people everywhere. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's crazy. And like, it'll probably never be solved because I think half the people who are connected with this case are dead. Or in prison.
2: Or dead. That's it, I'm done. Well, I heard I heard that he wasn't dead and he was in Cuba chilling with Hitler and Elvis. What'd you say to that? I heard he was in Serbia. Chilling <laughs> <laughs> <Showing> with Hitler. <laughs> yeah. No, but like everybody who's ever disappeared to Cuba, you know, Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs>
1: Well, that's really interesting. I feel like the death of Tupac Shakur and his well, his murder is one of those sort of cases that is so ingrained in like pop culture. And I think it sounds horrible to say, but he's one of those people who is, I can't think of a better way. He's iconic for dying. He's iconic for being killed. He was obviously hugely popular at the time, but like, his death brought him to like a stratospheric level of of fame, and he's kind of been like turned into a bit of a you know
3: he's a martyr he's a if he if he yeah. was alive rap would be better kind of person
1: exactly and he's one of those people you always see in the comments like oh you know. Take Justin Bieber and give us back Tupac. Like yeah. people, he's just like, he's become the symbol of like, oh, what could have been and and things like that. I mean, you know, similar to a lot of people like Kurt Cobain and, you know, all all of these guys.
3: Big um, L.
2: Big L. Big L. Easy e Eminem. Big pun. Eminem. Eminem's career.
3: Eminem's career died no, no,
2: a long but time Eminem's,
1: ago. Eminem's the epitome of what happens if you don't die. Because um, you just live to be shit, you know?
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> a 45-year-old man getting angry at these, like, 20-year-olds so making music you don't agree with. He's 50. Oh, mate, he's 50? What the fuck? Why is he still rapping? He's, <laughs> he's
2: 50. He's probably Bro. older. He's only, like, 51 now.
3: He's got grandkids. Like, chill. Just
1: chill. Man. <laughs> I like him. I actually quite like some of his more recent music, but I know that's a controversial opinion. And a wrong one. I don't know. The wrong one. <laughs> I liked some of Kamikaze. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good album. But anyway, I know you think it was poorly sound mixed or whatever. But I it
2: think. was a horribly mixed. Well, they're like unlistenable. They're so washy. I was like, I was like, this can't be real. This is like a. I was like, my phone must be fucked. This can't be real. Anyway. I
1: think that was really, really interesting. When you think of Tupac's death, you don't almost think of it as a cold case, but it absolutely is. I mean, it's gone cold. I don't know if the investigation is still open, but obviously that's the more technical definition of what a cold case is. It's kind of always will still be open. Like if more evidence emerged, then obviously it would be reopened. Yeah. It was, it's going to be around for ages. Now, obviously often we do a middle bit and sometimes it's a quiz, but uh, I thought that this was a, more sensitive topic and it felt like a maybe slightly insensitive as it were to be like hey let's have a zany quiz about all these people who've gone missing and never been found
2: <laughs> how many
1: <laughs> exactly how many days have they yeah. been gone uh no so i thought rather than do that to kind of add a little bit of levity maybe a little bit of humor bring things back to the sort of more joyous end of the goat spectrum i thought i would ask you what are some real life, quote unquote, cold cases or unsolved mysteries in your life? What's something that's happened to you? Please don't do something really dark. Just like, I don't know who took that Pokemon card. Not like, I don't know who, you know, killed my mom or something. Let's <laughs> keep it. Let's keep it light. I can go first. Yeah. Mine's a little bit dull, but it does genuinely. This is a mystery I think about. Honestly, every day, uh, which is what is in my finger. What? Um, so, when I was. Um, what? When I was about 14, oh, I, know about I was story. trying to impress uh, my English class, uh, which was full of ladies. And uh, to, basically, the, the class was locked and i thought do you know what would be really cool is if i got in from from the outside through an outside window and opened it up and everyone would be like, oh my god seb you're amazing so um so i I tried to push a window open from outside and it broke (laughs) and um it cut through uh several tendons and an artery in my hand um (laughs) Which I would say was not a success. No. However, it did make me a bit of a big man around campus,
2: so, you know, long term. Have you seen how much blood
1: Seb's got in him? No, honestly, it's fucking everywhere. It was grim. Um, and, you know, maybe I don't have use of one of my fingers that well, but it's my little finger. What kind of hindrance is that? However, inside my little finger, you can't really see it on the camera. It's a bit difficult. You can see it's a little bit mangled, maybe. But there's this little lump that clicks when I when I move it, and I can kind of click it around. Ooh. And when I push really hard, it's like a little black dot. Like I can see there's something in there. And I think about cutting it out every day. I think about Let's cutting it out. It. it bothers me so much. Luce has honestly walked in on me with a knife, being like... <laughs>
2: Let's do it. <laughs> God, if
1: you clipped that, that would sound quite bad, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> Luce has walked in on me about to cut it out, yeah. like before. Like I get so bothered by it. And the best bit is, I think I could do it because because of the um, the minor that it was a small. It was like a more of like a capillary artery. It wasn't like a real bad one, but because of the arterial damage, if I hold my hand up above my head for long enough. The, uh, the fingers and the bit of my hand that are still numb to this day because of the nerve damage. If I hold it up long enough, I just lose all feeling in that side of my hand, like completely, like it's completely gone. Like it's just like a bit of floppy... Skin, so I could definitely cut into it without feeling it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to feel it at all. Um, and it. I think about that a lot. So that's my, that's my cold <laughs> case.
2: Well, let's do it live on the pod. What's in Seb's finger? It'll just be like a part. it just be like a bit of your bone or something. Yeah, it'll probably be a bit cartilage.
1: Well, the thing is, it's it's like dark black. I think what it could be is the pin that they used to pin back one of my tendons that that had been cut.
2: Maybe. Oh, it's probably yeah. to probably but like part of. It's probably men being there.
1: I know, but it moves.
2: Yeah, but it's going to move, isn't it? Your body's like fluid.
1: I know, I know, I know. I shouldn't cut it out.
2: Actually, don't cut it out. Yeah, your whole finger fall (laughs) off.
1: Anyway, what are your guys' cold cases?
2: The only mystery I could think of is the mystery of uh, why my dad never loved me. Oh, that's not a mystery. (laughs) Have you seen you? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sam. I only just thought of that when you were like, nothing dark. I was like, oh, here we go. No, genuinely, I I can actually really think of any because unlike... Everyone I know, I don't lose things very often. Like, I'm not, like, a massive loser. Like, everyone I know just loses everything. I mean, you are a massive loser. (laughs) Yeah, but, But, like, Vinny lost his card the other day. Like, my girlfriend's losing her card. Like, there was a point where it was, like, she lost it three or four times in the space of, like, six months. And I was like, what's going on? Like, you said, you know, said that Lucy loses a lot of stuff all the time. Like, just silly things. Like, oh, I've lost my glasses. And it's like, they're on your head, mate. Stuff like that. I'm generally. Like I've never lost my phone or my wallet or my keys or anything like that. But I could only think of one thing that I ever lost and I was fucking raging about for ages. And that was my Pokemon Emerald cart. Because on my Pokemon Emerald cart, I'd like Rayquaza like level 90 or something. It's like the closest I ever got to 100.
3: Do you know he's supposed to be and called... I, uh, I couldn't
2: believe I lost
3: it. Do you know he's supposed to be called Rayquaza? is that horrible to find out? When I found out, I was like... I don't believe that, but it's true. Rayqu- quasar. Yeah, Ray, Because it's like a quasar, like, a, you know, the celestial body, the uh, quasar. Rayquaza.
2: That's That fucking sucks. Yeah, no, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting
1: little bit of knowledge, Vinny, but it also sounds like you're deflecting and taking uh, some of the eyes away from the fact that Michael's Pokemon Emerald card mm. went missing. And I would say if, if there was a prime suspect Shook for that... Night
2: it would <laughs> be again the fuck yeah. up would be shut no, up. no it's <laughs> you Vinny you motherfucker I know you took it well, because we would play Pokemon together every single day like I guarantee that that car was in my possession and your possession at the same time well like for the majority of our childhood so I didn't lose it because I just said I don't lose shit you, you, you said you lost your bank card so you're a massive loser so you fucking <laughs> got it I won it <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking because I remember like when I was like twelve
3: years old, my Game Boy Micro went missing, and I've never been able to find it to this day. Classic. So I'm wondering if maybe the emeralds inside the Micro.
2: Oh, you motherfucker! You took it, put it in there, and you said for all this time that hey, you lost it.
0: Get yeah, it out now! It.
2: No, you haven't. It's probably underneath <laughs> your pillow. Play every night. Like, haha, that motherfucker's Ray is mine. <laughs> He <laughs> probably released them. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I definitely released him.
1: <laughs> what would you do, right? If Vinny got it back, he was mm. like, I'm really sorry, you know, this has just yeah. gone for too long. And then he gave it to you back, but the whatever he's called, Ray Rayquaza. Ray Quaser? Ray
2: Ray Quaser had um I hate the name.
1: <laughs> he'd got rid of it. Like everything was still there, but he just released that one Pokemon.
2: <sighs> you know what? I'd forgive him. I'd. I'd really like that back. Actually, it's like the only thing I've ever lost. I, I would like it back.
1: I thought you were going to say it's the only thing you've ever loved. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: nah, football's the only thing he's ever loved. No, That's football. <laughs> football's the only thing I've ever loved. Yeah.
3: I've I've actually got like a strange cold case, like mystery, and it just popped into my head just then. And this is probably absolute bollocks, but like I remember when I was I was really young. I must have been like eight or nine years old. I remember I was I was sat in my. Um, i guess at the time it was the no yeah the living room on my parents living room and my mum was like doing my tie getting ready for you know getting ready for school because i was a little autistic eight-year-old who didn't know how to do his tie and i was seeing like a bright light in the sky because while i was facing the window like a big bright light was like whoa, like was like and it like <laughs> went into my eyes and i was like oh oh what is that and <laughs> 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 no, this is all true I remember this yeah. so vividly <laughs> yeah. okay, and then yeah. on, the, on the bus to school that day I was talking to people you know it might fellow fellow kids say hey their fellow kids Um, and they were all like yeah we saw like some crazy bright light as well this morning how crazy yeah wow and I, was it just the sun <laughs> it might have just been the sun and it might have just been like yeah we saw something as well <laughs> fucking why is Vinny talking to us <laughs> <laughs>
1: Vinnie seen the sun again he's been allowed out <laughs> of the dungeons
3: <laughs> you're never gonna believe it i'm just staring at it like Aah! give me nutrients.
1: <laughs> mate throwback oh that was brilliant well on that note um now we've all had a good laugh release those endorphins Let's talk about something horrible, yeah. Michael. <laughs> who have you chosen? Right for the well, what? What have you chosen? Because it could be a what? Could be where's where's the
2: Titanic? Everyone knows what the t- Titanic. We've we've discovered the Titanic. It's not a cold case. I was thinking that the other day actually about the Titanic. No, It's
1: cold because it's the bottom of the sea. Butch.
2: Yeah, no, but that was rubbish. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, the Titanic is it a mystery? And I was like, it's not a mystery. They know where it is. They know like what happened. I just for some reason always felt, felt like the Titanic was all shrouded in mystery, but it's actually not, is it? It's just, like, straight up, it fucking sank. Like, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I was it was like, nice bug. Oh, yeah. The Titanic went, by. Titanic! <laughs> 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 right, my cold case is the disappearance of Seb's. Comedy. It was it was here just a minute ago. (laughs) I swear he was funny. (laughs) he (laughs) He Used to be a funny lad.
3: (laughs) I swear he was funny.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Michael, you ready?
2: Go. The cold case I've chosen is Eminem's dead (laughs) (laughs) career. right get your one bit out of (laughs) the way. I was actually just I actually started this by saying I'm not going to do any fakery and say, like, oh, the curious case of fucking Benjamin Button, mate, that's, like, the shit that I've done. Because, nah, like, this one was just so simple. Like, as soon as I read the thing, what we were doing, I was like, oh, obvious. And it's the case of a small girl who disappeared in 2007. Of course, I'm talking about Madeleine McCann. Now, I could probably just end this whole presentation right now because everyone knows what it is, and that is obviously the goat cold case. But I'm not going to do that. I'll I'll talk for a bit. (laughs) Good. Anyway, this is the most famous disappearing person's case in modern history, for sure. But what happened? Well, very quickly, I'll try and go through the case because everyone knows what happened. But Jerry and Kate McCann, who are Madeline's parents, were on holiday in Portugal with some friends and their three children. They had a pair of twins and Madeline. On Thursday night, the penultimate night of their holiday, I think, they put the kids to bed like they've done before, and they went to eat at the local tapas bar as part of like the complex while the kids were asleep. Now, the walk from the apartment they were staying in to the bar was around 82 metres along a public footpath around the pool and then into the bar. So not miles away, but it's not exactly next door. Now, the doors to the apartment, there was a front door and then the sliding doors that they used all the time sliding doors they could only be locked from the inside so once you you had to lock yourself inside the apartment you couldn't lock it from the outside so they just decided to leave them unlocked and close them so they could get in and out and then around every hour or so one person so with quite a few like quite a big group so there were always people walking backwards and forwards from the bar to each apartment said a few apartments to check on everyone's kids or whatever So, Jerry went to go and check on the children at around 11, and everyone was asleep, although he claims that the door was slightly open when he went in to go and check them, and that he remembers it being fully shut, like, obviously, when he shut it and they walked to the bar initially. So, that, you know, is something strange, I suppose. And then another one of the parents went to go and check, and then at around 11 p.m., Kate went to go and check and noticed that the door to Madeline's room was wide open. Now, she didn't actually go in and see what was, why it was open.
1: Because why would you? It's just your kid.
2: Yeah, The door just slammed shut, which was caused by a draft because the window was apparently open or something. Now, again, this is, only, this is not ever going to be verified because it's only coming from her mouth. And because of that, she went into the room and realised that she was missing. Her like uh, soft toy and a blanket were on the bed, but Madeline was missing so she ran back from the apartment, leaving her twins in there alone after one of them, another child's been abducted for some reason, ran back to the restaurant screaming that she'd been taken. Now, it seems simple enough, right? A child's been abducted. This happens, unfortunately, a lot in the world. I love a lot. So why this particular case is so massive? Well, and we've, I've slightly glossed over it as well. It's when you start to really look into the details that it gets more and more complicated the further you go. It's like a rabbit hole. When you get into the nitty-gritty of this case, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And for me, there are three main factors why this case got so big, why we're talking about it on this podcast, and it wasn't just another missing child's case. Because I couldn't name you another missing child ever in recorded history who's gone missing, but I can tell you everything about Madeline McCann. Funny that. And all three of these, all three, <laughs> all three of these reasons are kind of intertwined. And the three reasons are, The involvement of the parents, the media and public reaction, and the investigations themselves. So, firstly, the parents' involvement. And I've put here, what? (laughs) I hear you say, how could they be involved? (laughs) Well, one of the very first lines of inquiry and the biggest parts of the initial investigation was to determine whether or not they, in fact, accidentally killed her and disposed of the body. Sounds mental. Now the theories were that there was some kind of accident, so not intentional, not murder, perhaps a sedation gone wrong. The parents had given the children sleeping pills, and then when Maddie had accidentally died from the sleeping pills, they tried to cover it up. Now this is a wild accusation, so where's the evidence? Where did it come from? Well, the parents are both doctors, so maybe they could have had access to such medication and felt safe using such medication on children. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, so I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't give my children sleeping pills. But if you were a doctor, you might be like, well, I know how much to give them. You know, it's all fine. I know what I'm doing. There was no evidence of a break-in or an abduction, really. So perhaps it was, you know, all done internally. And there were some very dubious results from some sniffer dogs, which suggested maybe some blood trace in the apartment. But these are very heavily criticized and very dubious results. And also, some of Jerry and Kate's statements had major inconsistencies, maybe suggesting they were just making it all up. Or they could have been very stressed out because their child's been taken. Personally, I think that the notion that they accidentally killed her is just complete bollocks. (laughs) and Which is weird, because for the longest time, I, I thought they'd done it. Like, that's what happened, and that's, you know, they'd done it. It seemed to add up to me, but now I'm a parent and I'm older... It's even more ridiculous and nonsense when you actually look at it logically. What would have had to have happened if they would have had to have perfectly disposed of a body and not leave one shred of evidence in a busy holiday apartment block on the fly like that, like at the snap of a finger, have had to have orchestrated this because she would have just dropped dead if it was an accident. It wouldn't have been planned out. They wouldn't have been able to sit down and plan how they were going to dispose of it. She would have gone, oh, fuck, she's dead, right. Action stations, bang, let's perfectly execute the perfect crime with no prior preparation or thought and do it instantly. That seems madness. Also, they'd have had to have convinced every single one of their friends, gone up to them and said, I've accidentally killed my daughter, please can you life for me for the rest of my life and cover it up while I go and dispose of her body while they're all having dinner. Not going to happen. No one in their right mind is going to say, oh yeah, no worries, accidents happen, fair play, right, see you in an hour, <laughs> are they? mental someone would have talked and lastly they'd have have to been absolute psychopaths to have accidentally killed their daughter covered it up all in the same instant and convinced a group of other psychopaths to cover it up for them and not just screamed and cried and put it down to an accident and lost their minds and not knowing what the fuck to do and people would have seen so for me no that's wrong however I personally do not believe they are completely innocent of any wrongdoing whatsoever. I don't think they did anything on purpose or covered it up, and I definitely don't think they did anything necessarily malicious. But I do think they may be guilty of some negligence. And I'll give you an example. I, as it's well known, have a three-year-old. Sometimes we're in the car together, and I need to go into the shop and get milk or, I don't know, fucking Siggies. I don't smoke. (laughs) But I just get to think of something.
1: Siggy's for the three-year-old.
2: Yeah, yeah. 50 50 a day, mate. So I get to the shop. I'm literally going to be two seconds. It's the smallest, quietest village in the world. They don't even have electricity here, right? I'm like, I'm going to be two seconds getting in the shop. Do I really have to get them out and, like, faff around, get them in and out of their car, see they don't want to? I could just lock them in the car. No one could get to them. I just go into the shop. The car's going to be locked. Even if someone tried to get them out, they'd have to break a window or smash something. No one's going to do that in broad daylight. If someone tried to break into my car in broad daylight, someone's going to stop them as they drag my screaming three-year-old out of the window. But you know what? I still don't do that. I still get them out of the car, walk them into the shop, get the milk, walk back out, put them back in the car, because it just feels wrong to leave them there by themselves. Let alone leave them asleep in an unlocked apartment block in a foreign country while I have dinner and drink with my mates nearly a hundred metres away. Crazy. I know. Silence in the room.
1: It is mad. It's one of those things where, like, you wonder how they got to that point. Like, I always think because we've covered this a couple of in a couple of different instances for red handed, and I always kind of it's a really bizarre one. And you kind of think, like, how do you get to a point where you think, you know, you wouldn't leave your kid asleep in your house with all the doors locked. You know, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them are really young. <laughs> like, even regardless of like...
2: Anything, you just wouldn't do it.
1: Abductions. You don't leave kids on their own.
2: No. To me, it just feels bad. It just like, it just feels weird and bad. Like, I don't like saying, oh, Leo, stay in the house one second while I put the bins out. It feels weird. It feels bad. Like, when we
1: were on holiday at Butlin's, you know that apartment was very, very safe. If we had locked all the doors, which you could lock,
2: yeah, they lock from the inside.
1: We could have let locked your kid inside and gone out, but we would never have done that. <laughs> yeah. Every night, you or Jen stayed back. Yeah, and yeah. Me, me, and you and Luce went out. Like you would never. So to me, it's just bizarre, and like I always wonder, like, how do you get into the headspace where you're like, I'll just leave my five kids.
2: It is bizarre. Yeah, it's really bizarre, and um. Yeah, it's just crazy. And it doesn't matter how many times they go to check. In my mind, it's it's careless and it it is neglect. Like, it's mental.
1: And also, like, you're never going to go back as often as you say. Like, how often did they say they were going back?
2: Like, every hour or so. Every I don't know how often they said they were going back, but they went back every hour.
1: I think they started off saying they were going back quite a lot. Like, something ridiculous, like, every 10 minutes or something. I mm. want to say I could be totally mm. wrong there, but, like, they were on this really quick rotation. You're like, can one of you just not go out tonight?
2: Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. really?
1: Is it really that much? Like, there's quite a few parents as well. Can one of you not just be at home? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It makes me a bit... It makes me angry. I, I think it's part of the, like, the British holiday culture. It's quite like, oh, fuck it. We need to just go out and... I yeah, I don't know.
2: Just go on holiday without your children or don't go on holiday. Like, me and my partner, we'd fucking love to go on holiday to Portugal and we could and we'd go and have tapas bars, but we don't because we have children and we can't just leave them in the hotel while we go and have drinks, you know what I mean? So we just don't do that.
1: So we go to Butlins instead.
2: Hell yeah. We go to Butlins and everyone has a great time. That's what we do. But this, what you're saying sounds perfect because this is where the media and public view intertwines along with the investigation that's going on. And this is why the reason why it's so big. In all three of these scenarios, they are number one, they're completely innocent. She was just abducted. They didn't do anything. They weren't neglectful. People will say it's fine to leave your kids in a hotel room, whatever. She's they're not entirely innocent because they were neglectful when she was taken, or they killed her and covered it up. Regardless, with all three of those scenarios, everyone has an opinion on them and it sent the world into a fucking frenzy. Everyone's in one camp, really, and it creates this huge debate of swirling controversy, which made this case massive because people are just completely torn. Personally, I think it comes from their status, perhaps. So, as I said, in my mind, they were neglectful, but I've spoken to people who said, no, it's just an accident, you know, these things happen, like, they felt safe, etc. Now, I think if these two people weren't upper-class doctors and were instead of Jerry and Kate, called Kerry and Jimbo McCann, and they worked at Asda and were on benefits and had Chelsea tattoos on the back of their heads... I don't think there would be a soul on this earth that would be batting for them.
1: Oh no, 100%. You're so right. You're so right.
2: And make of that what you will, but it's very interesting, it's very complex, but everybody, the newspapers and public opinion, would not put them in that innocent category. You would assume they were neglectful, or that they're killed if they were called Jerry and, uh, sorry, Kerry and Jimbo. Because if Kerry and Jimbo's kid went missing and it hit the news, it would have been... Yep, she's gone. Case dropped. See you later. We ain't never going to find her. Happens every day. Everyone forget about it in a couple of weeks. But Kate and Jerry, they have the money and the public backing and empathy which has kept some form of investigation going for ages. And this is where the investigation part gets intertwined with that public opinion and the opinion of the people. I think there are people who are just so angry about this as well and say they were neglectful. Why does Jerry and Kate deserve millions and millions of pounds in taxpayers' money to find their daughter when there are thousands of missing children and parents who are completely forgotten about? Again, maybe it's because we're talking about Kate and Jerry and not Kerry and Jimbo, and I would just be sympathetic to those people. So, I just want to say, as I sum this up as well, regardless of everything that I've said, and my strong opinions and probably Seb's strong opinions as well at the, the Disappearance of Mellon McCann case, At the centre of all of it, there's a young girl who was taken and she's probably dead. And that is really sad. That's a tragedy. And as a parent, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, Kate or Jerry, Jimbo or fucking Kerry, anybody. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't want anybody's kid to die in any circumstances or be taken or whatever. It is incredibly sad, even if they were neglectful. It doesn't mean that you deserve it. Do you know what I mean? I do think people get lost in that sometimes, and they sort of forget about that when they're arguing about their opinions on Kerry and Jay. You can hate them as much as you want, but I wouldn't wish it on them. But I think that this case is the GOAT, because all these years later, like 20 odd years later or whatever it is, nearly coming up to 20 years, there's new documentaries like in the last couple of years, there's new books, new opinions, new controversy, new media... Like everything's always going on. We could sit and probably talk about this for the next hour and we would not come to any kind of conclusion. The frenzy that surrounds it, the opinions on the parents and whether they had any involvement... The fact that she's never going to be found, like the evidence is futile. There's basically nothing. There are a few sightings of random people saying they saw someone carrying a girl to the beach. Nothing's ever been concrete with this. There's no concrete evidence she was abducted. There's no concrete evidence it was a break-in. There's no concrete evidence that they drugged her and disposed of her body. There's literally nothing. Like in most of these cases, they would just been done and dusted. She disappeared. We're really sorry, there's nothing we can do. But this case lives on and lives on and lives on because of that controversy. Now, for me personally, what I think actually happened, and I was listening to the guy, he's like a private detective. He's the guy who exposed and caught Jimmy Savile. He's a fucking clever dude. And he went out to Portugal not long after she went missing and did his own private investigation. And he said it's probably most likely that she woke up, wondered where her mum and dad had gone because they'd woken up the night before and cried and the parents came in or something. So Maddie'd woken up this night, wondered where they'd gone, managed to get her way out of the apartment and a completely opportunistic stranger passing by because it's a public road just picked her up and that was it. To me, that seems the most likely, but there's people that dispute that entirely as well and it's just a complete mystery. But for me, it's the goat because... You can just talk about it forever and ever and ever.
1: Cool. Well, I think that that's they're both incredibly strong picks. I feel like the Madeleine McCann thing is like, like you say, it's such an emotionally charged case, and I feel like as well, it's sad but true in the sense that I feel like with the Tupac killing, you kind of think because of the environment, because of the gangster rap scene, because you know they literally did almost beat a man to death two hours before or whatever, the murder seems more not fitting it's not to say it's okay but it seems more in keeping with the lifestyle that they were living whereas how old is she two three 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 year old girl going missing like that is it is shocking and i think it is one of those cases that still people have really strong opinions on and still get really wound up about as well
2: oh yeah absolutely get really wound up
1: it's also left me with an incredibly difficult decision to pick a goat because on the one hand i feel like tupac's killing is a cold case in the sense that there is it feels like there's almost no semblance of a chance of it being solved at this point like it was so high profile and yet there is not a single almost there's almost no shred of evidence they haven't even worked out like what where the car is or like why or who or like there's not even like a
2: is there like a registration number of the car i don't think there is like they don't even know necessarily what weapon or anything do they
1: no it's like a completely empty incident you know this very very high profile person died and yet there isn't like a single shred of sort of evidence against it and then on the other hand you have you know madeline mccann's disappearance which is It isn't the opposite, because again, it's unsolved, but it's been poured over and is still poured over and still feels like very alive. And in a way, it almost feels the opposite of cold because people are still talking about it and people are still bringing up new evidence. And there was that German guy who about, I think it was about six months, maybe even a year ago, the sort of word on the true crime street was like, it's him. Like, everyone's getting ready for a statement. They think that they found him. And then it wasn't, or they haven't got the evidence so far to suggest it was. Yeah. And so it's such a difficult, difficult choice. Also a very morbid choice. (laughs) The greatest missing or dead person of all time.
2: (laughs) Come on, it's not nearly as morbid as the greatest hip-hop sample of all time, is it? That's way more like niche. (laughs) That was, that was fucked up. That was fucked up.
1: That was fucked, man. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I think it's difficult. I don't even want to call it a goat, but it is a goat in that sense. I think the most, at least in our lifetimes, in our lived experience, I can only be a sort of subjective in this case. It has to be the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. I feel like that's the case that we all know. I feel like culturally... Two packs killing probably is bigger. More people know about it. But in terms of a cold case, in terms of a case where you think it's still going and there's still people looking for evidence, but there's just nothing, I think it has to be the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. So yeah, Vinny, you're still on your losing streak, unfortunately.
2: That's the biggest mystery of this season, how, how Vinny's on such a...
1: It's like almost like Liverpool. Like he was doing so well and then just totally flopped.
2: But if he puts in a big shift in the Merseyside derby, he'll come back. (laughs) Mm, Maybe. I think he's sad because Kevin De Bruyne has scored. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I just realised that.
3: There's two things that are making me sad right now. Yeah, the losing streak (laughs) and Kevin De Bruyne scoring.
1: (laughs) Which one is making you sadder? I know
3: they're both pretty upsetting. one's upsetting because it's in my it's in my hands and i'm still fucking up the other's upsetting because it's not my hands and there's nothing i can do to help it
1: okay well thank you everyone for listening to this slightly morbid episode i feel like we've really pushed the boundaries on what we can call a goat i feel like a goat dead person is Right on the tippy toes of what we can get away with, but uh, it's not the person, it's the case exactly, and that's what we'll tell our lawyers. Um, not that we have any because we're too poor. <laughs> so, on that note, I've got a lawyer. Have you got a lawyer?
3: Yeah, my dad's. I mean, I guess he's my
1: lawyer. He's <laughs> can you imagine if he refused to represent you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: don't have enough money to <laughs> pay him. It's in. just
1: like, mate, you're fucked. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting this on my record.
2: Could he represent you? Yeah, yeah, is that not, not impartial? But he shouldn't be impartial. He should be
1: the definition of partial.
3: Yeah, he's my defendant. He oh, right. Be, yes, of
1: course. He should be your defendant. He couldn't be the judge.
3: Yeah. No. Or, or the jury.
1: And he also couldn't defend someone Vinny was trying to prosecute or whatever. He couldn't be the defendant or the prosecutor yeah. in Vinny's case. Yeah. Maybe.
2: We should do that. We should set up like a lawyering ring where we sue people and then get our lawyers on their defense case to like deliberately lose and shit and just like scam like like strange things and have that.
1: happened man it's it's real <laughs> common like especially in um big business like law you know small businesses will be represented by what they think is a firm that's on their side and then it turns out that they're actually under the thumb of the other like legal firm or something like that but anyway Enough about that. Thank you all very much for listening.
2: Everyone's getting up the arse.
1: Um, everyone's getting up the arse
2: and... Talking about getting up the arse next week.
1: <laughs> yes. So next week we have the return of our first ever guest, Amy Mayer. And I can't remember whether we're doing goat fetish or a goat sexy grab bag. Let's do a goat sexy grab bag. Tune in to um, to grab some bags and uh, listen to us talk sexy things. And in the meantime, don't forget that you can listen and watch most of our back catalogue on YouTube. You can also follow us on Instagram at the underscore goat underscore pod. And if you're feeling particularly baller, you can pledge or donate or sponsor or just give us some fucking money on patreon so do that and we will see you next week on this which has been goats the greatest podcast of all time aka the thumbs up show love you bye love
2: you bye love you bye